sentence to the pastor, but uh, there's there's one head, there's one head head, there's one under under shepherd head, and uh, we got to be careful of that. But outside of the body, especially, uh, we have a lot of voices that go on and tell us how to how to how to achieve things in life. There are a lot of people out there. There's a lot of a uh, quote quote end quote churches that are. Um, uh, really, they're they're very good. They're uh, very good self-help gurus that add Bible verses to their stuff. Right? They are very good at uh, giving you little game plans for life. I mean, they have great little uh, quips and sayings, and they have some, and they even have good stuff. Don't get me wrong. There's sometimes that they say things and have some truth in there that is that is good. But essentially, they are uh, a lot of times, a lot of times, they're gifted, gifted communicators who are merely self-help, they don't expose the Word of God, they don't rightly divide the Word of Truth, they have an agenda that they add Bible verses to, and people are clamoring to do these things. Because one thing, the reason why people love them, you know why? Because they're not really pointing in their, your face saying you're wrong. And people love that, right? Uh, Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith, I mean, it exploded back in the 60s and the 70s. And if you listen to Chuck Smith, uh, verse by verse, I mean, just expository preaching, real simple. He's got a great, deep, smooth voice. He's so easy to listen to, you know. And uh, But if you notice, never application. There's never application. There's never some the preacher. That's what the difference, we know, remember this, difference between preaching and teaching, right? Right now, you said, wait, I thought this was Sunday school. Well, I'm preaching a little bit, I know. But uh, the difference is teaching is what? We're, we're giving out information and facts. You take out information, you process that, and you look at that. Preaching is to bring you to a decision. Preaching is to make you bring you to a place to say yes or no. Watch this. Hey, preaching is to get you to make changes in your life. We all need to make change in our life. And that's the point of, of preaching over, over teaching. And a lot of these things... Uh, these self-help gurus and all of these, they never, they never make application hardly. They don't point a finger and say, no, you're wrong. No, you need to change. No, this is what the Word of God says. And, uh, of course, people flock to that because they love that. It's, it's, you know, who wouldn't like that? You get to go out and make your own decisions. Right? And so um, God has a game plan. God has his own game plan. And we need to make sure that we are connected in to God's plan and not our own plan, and not the world's plan. And so we're seeing here, if I don't know what it is in your life that God is working on in you right now, I believe everybody in this room has has areas in their life that God is working on, um, working on areas of deliverance that we all need, uh, whether it's attitudes, whether it's actions, whatever it may be, whether it's uh, uh, belief. I mean, some people uh, struggle in faith, in certain areas of their life and trust and belief. And whatever it is, God has a game plan in your life and in my life to bring us out of that bondage and bring us into liberty and uh, under His Word. And so this is really well, as you know, it's been visualized here. It's been, it's been shown here in Exodus in uh, the God delivering uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt. So we're looking at God's game plan. We saw last week there was a command Right there is a command in God's game plan. He has a spokesman. Right, God's spokesman was who? Who was God's spokesman? Exodus. Okay, Moses. That was an easy question. See, I wasn't tricking you. It was Moses. God's script. What is the script that God gave Moses? Let my people go. Okay. Yep. We could also say it was what. His what? 
Ten Commandments. Well, we haven't got through yet, but but his his word, right? It's just his. It's what thus saith the Lord, and that's what the prophets of God were always supposed to do. Thus saith the Lord. That is the script that Moses is going with. He's going and he said he say he he is saying the, the Lord says he's saying Pharaoh. The Lord said, "Let my people go." That was the script. And that's what he went by. There was a caution that God was going to give, uh, that God gave Moses, which was what? The hardness of Pharaoh's heart, right? He cautioned him. Hey, listen, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to go with you. Uh, he, he's going to reject what you have to say. And, uh, but you know what? There's always the help of God when the hardness of the people come. And so there is a caution. And, and, and we'll look at that today, the caution the, the confirmation, we might get there today, and then finally a commitment. We'll see if we can get that. And did that go away? Did you turn that down? Or Oh, can you pop that back? I, I have to hear me a little bit. I am picky on this. And so last week, well, that's too much. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> we, we saw last week the hardness or, or the, uh, uh, the script, which was, Thus saith the Lord. We saw that. And... Uh, it is the Word of God. We have the script today when we deal with the people with the lost. We have the same script. Amen? We have the same thing. Thus saith the Lord. Right? It's right here. Not what they, thus saith Joseph Smith. Not what saith Mary Baker Glover Patterson Eddy. Not what saith, you know, Ellen G. White. Not what saith, you know, Alexander Taz Russell. Not what saith, I mean, could you, I mean, I can go on and on and on. Campbell, right? The Campbellites, Church of Christ. Not what thus saith, what saith the Lord? The Word of God. And we have the Word of God this morning, right? I don't think I have to spend much time with this crowd that we have the Bible preserved for us in the English language in the King James Bible. We, we're thankful for that. And if listen, if you have inspiration, you've got to have preservation. If you don't have preservation, inspiration doesn't matter. Think that through. If you don't have preservation, inspiration doesn't matter. Amen. Right. And uh, think on that this week. But we have it. We have the inspired, preserved Word of God for us in English. It's right here in our Bible, the King James Bible. And uh, I don't have time to spend on that today, but I think everybody in this room is pretty much in agreement on that. And so we have, we have what thus saith the Lord. We have the same gospel today and the same message for the world that the world needs. So there is a caution now that God is going to give about Pharaoh. We know this, and there's a caution for us. And uh, now I wonder what Moses imagined. Have you ever imagined you're going to go visit somebody, you have, a, have an opportunity to visit somebody with the gospel, and you can go through your mind what may happen, how they're going to receive it, how they're going to respond, the questions they're going to ask. And you might get ready for all of that, right? And, and come on now, in our mind, and I hope, I mean, and this is good, this isn't bad, in our mind we may visualize, we may imagine they're going to ask good questions, and I'm telling you, conviction's going to come, and they're going to humble their heart before God, and they're going to they're going to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, and uh, they're going to you're going to walk away from that encounter. They're going to be gloriously saved, and it's going to be a great time. They're going to say, "Hey, when can I get baptized? Hey, what you know? Uh, can I be discipled? Hey, can I?" And you have all of these imaginations. You know what happens sometimes? Nada. Doesn't happen, right? Sometimes it goes a totally opposite of what you expect it to go. Uh, when you knock doors, you never know what's going to go on. When that door opens, you never know what's going to happen when they come to the door. And uh, I had somebody uh, at a door down in uh, Purdy, Missouri, and uh, she went on and on uh, that there's no heaven and no, no hell. And, 
And I, boy, I wasn't ready for that. I didn't know these, this group of people believe this, you know, and, uh, I said something about hell. Oh no, there is no hell. Oh, okay. Well, how can you have heaven without hell? Well, there's no heaven. Okay. You know, she said, you're just, I said, well, uh, what happens in, well, if you're not with God on his earth, then you're just cease to exist. I said, cool. I won't know it. If I just cease to exist, I won't know it. And so who cares? The lady, the, lady, the lady said, she said, but you won't be with God on his earth. I said, lady, I won't know. If I just, if I'm just annihilated, like you say, I will never know that I'm not on your beautiful earth. She's like, but you won't. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. The word of God says there's a hell. Amen. The word of God says, thankfully, there's a heaven. But Jesus didn't mention hell more times than he mentioned heaven. It was a warning there. And, but we can have this imagination of how we're going to be received. I wonder what was going through Moses' mind. Now, uh, now understandably, Moses understood the Egyptian system. He grew up as an Egyptian, right? For 40 years of his life, he grew up in the, in the home of the pharaohs of Egypt. He knew all of the inner workings. He knew everything probably about their thought process and the, and, and, and the way they made decisions and all of these things. Their belief system, their gods that they believed. He knew all of that. Think about all that Moses would have had to have known before he ever went back to Egypt. It wasn't like us just showing up there and not knowing anything about the culture. He was a, a part of the culture. He was a part of the religious system and he knew it. He knew everything about it. Not a part of the religious system that he was worshiping the Egyptian gods, but he was well acquainted with that. And so here he is commissioned by God with a specific message. And uh, maybe he thought that Pharaoh would just respond and go, wow, wow, this is incredible. Okay, man. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he did what most people do today. Who's the Lord? I don't know him. Why would I do what he says? Right? Why would I do that? Exodus 7. Remember, we're in chapter 7 of Exodus, verse 3. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. If you're a student of the Word of God and you've read through Exodus many times, you have studied the book of Exodus, you understand that God did not arbitrarily harden Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh had already hardened his own heart. And it got to such a place that God said, Enough. You're not coming back. Yeah. And we see this in Romans chapter 1. We're not going to go there yet. But God is warning, he is warning uh, Moses that he, you are not going to get the response that you think. It's not going to be a great response. Okay. And uh, sometimes we have these ideas, but God is warning us and he, uh, warning Moses and he warns us today. Right. You know, it, we just go out. We just do what he said. We give tracts. We talk to people. We knock on doors. We, we find opportunities to give the gospel knowing, knowing that, man, sometimes it's a response. It is not going to be. They're going to make you feel like an idiot sometimes. They're going to make you feel like a fool. They're going to make you feel like you are a, just a, a little simpleton plebe that just doesn't know anything. And, oh, you still believe in that fairy in the sky? You still believe in that thing written by a bunch of fishermen, you know? And uh, so uh, they, they, that is, it still happens today, amen. There's still, there's still that problem today. And uh, sometimes we have a faulty view of how God works when we go out, amen. We imagine God is going to do a, a certain things. And, uh, and uh, we, we think there's certain ways that, that will be more conducive to people responding to the gospel. Like if it's a sunny day rather than a rainy day. 
Sometimes, I mean, because, I mean, come on, humanly speaking, some people uh, respond differently when it's like this than when the sunshine is out. But can I tell you, if you're doing what God wants you to do and the Spirit of God is doing His work in a heart, it doesn't matter if it's snowing out or raining out or, or sunny out or cold out or hot out, right? Don't, don't try to put God in a box uh, of, of temporal things of how God is supposed to work and uh, how he should work. Just go out and do what we're supposed to do and let God take care of that, right? And, uh, but we, we know this. We know this, right? That the response isn't always going to be like we think it should be. But we can rely on God, right? We can trust him regardless of what the outcome may be. In Luke 9.23, the Bible says this, And he said unto them all, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Right? It's God we're following, right? This is, this is what Moses was doing. He was following God. He wasn't looking at his circumstances of, of the Egyptian culture and of how Pharaoh may respond or how he may hope he respond. Regardless of their response, regardless of the outcome, when the word of God went out, the point was Moses would continue to follow God. And that's what we do too. When the door gets shut, when they say, oh, thank you, and would you like something to drink, right? Or whether they say, get off my porch, I don't want to talk to you. Or they leave messages on your voicemail saying, if you leave anything on my door again, I'm going to call the police. I wish they had left their phone number because I would have asked for their address. So we would, uh, seriously, I would have, if you're listening today, <laughs> I, would have, I would have added your address to a no-call list and we wouldn't have come by. But you didn't leave your phone number or your address, so you're just going to get a lot more. And, uh, <laughs> but, oh my goodness. It's so fun. It's fun. And the service of the king, amen. And, uh, but uh, we just go on. We just serve him regardless of what it is. Yeah. Can you think of any examples of people who followed God even when it was difficult? Anybody have a name come in your mind? Anybody, it doesn't matter. might be biblical. It might be uh, in uh, post-biblical uh, history, maybe in our our own lifetime. Think of anybody. I mean, they just followed God. Followed God. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Yep. There you go. Esther. Esther. Amen. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Esther. Uh, anybody else? Hey, come on. You got. Some. What about Daniel. some modern? Huh? Daniel. There. That's a good one. Yeah. I was thinking of. Uh, that made me think of Roloff. Roloff was another one. But you know what Roloff said about Daniel? Why he didn't get eaten by the lions? Because he was all backbone and gristle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some of the guys, some of those men in our own time, I tell you what, they just they they followed God regardless, regardless. And what a what a testimony it is to us and to the world. And uh, thankful for that. God warned Moses of the rejection. He he warned it. Let me say this: opposition and gospel work is an encouragement. It's encouragement. It's not a negative. It's a positive. Rejection is a positive, not a negative. Why? Can I tell you this? Do you know that Satan knows the gospel works? Do you know Satan knows the power of the gospel? Do you know Satan knows that the gospel, if it's received by somebody, it will not only alter that life immediately, but it alters a life for eternity? Satan knows that. He knows that. And, you know, that's that's one of the the wonderful encouragements of opposition. Because, you know, Satan's working. Because if Satan is working, Satan knows the gospel is at work. 
and it will work if it's let to, its, to himself. Satan has had 6,000 years of evidence that hearts respond to the gospel. Satan has had 6,000 years of evidence to know that when the gospel gets out, that now he's not all-knowing. He doesn't know how one heart will, will respond over another one. But he knows this, that any heart can respond to the gospel if they want to. He knows that. Amen. He knows the power of the gospel. And you know what shows up when the gospel shows up? Opposition. You know what you, know what you do when opposition shows up? Say, oh, this is great. This is great. This is good. This is a good thing. It may not seem like it, but it's a good thing. Yeah. I think, I, I, I've almost wondered if Satan can tell when somebody's close. They can tell. Do you not think Satan knows human nature by now? Amen. He can tell when somebody's contemplating with the gospel. He can tell what's, what goes on, is going on, uh, maybe in, in the way their, their mannerisms, he's, what, what they're talking about when you're not around, what they're uh, d- uh, d- debating, what they're concerned over. You know, he sees all of that. He knows all of that, right? So opposition is good. No opposition means there's no threat. Amen. I wonder how much of a threat you are to Satan. Are you a threat to him? See, that was a preaching statement. I shouldn't have said that. This was Sunday school. Yeah, it's a good, good thought, isn't it? Are you a threat? Are you a threat to him? Yeah. Sometimes people walk away from God. They say, well, my life's never been easier. Well, of course, you're not a threat. Listen, can I, listen friend, the faith life is, a, is not an easy life. That's why God gives us power to live. It takes a strong person, not a weak person. People say, oh, you Christians, you're just a bunch of pansies and weaklings. And, oh, contraire. <laughs> it is the opposite of that. Some of the strongest people you will ever meet are people that are sold out to God. I'm telling you what, you can't move them. You can't change their mind. You can't cause them to do what they know is unbiblical. They are, I'm telling you, they are just stuck. They, are, they have their heels, uh, the heels dug in and they're not moving. They're strong people. Weak people walk away from God. Yeah. And uh, if you're not, listen, if you don't have any opposition going on in life, spiritual opposition, and there's a difference between spiritual opposition and godly chastisement. In the depths of your soul, you know which is which because you start feeling guilty about stuff, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know when one's chastisement and one is just the opposition of Satan. You know it's the opposition of Satan because you're serving God and trying to do right and, you're, and you have a desire and a heart to, to see the kingdom of God uh, moved and expanded and, you're, and you are involved uh, in the process. And all of a sudden opposition will start coming up. I tell you, when we were getting ready to move into a building, not this one, but a building, they thought we were going to have us over here and always, uh, see, we're running down, what, a week before somebody asked me, Pastor, where are we moving? I said, I don't know. We've been looking everywhere. I don't know. And I said, God will give us somewhere. Not a problem. And that's easy to say at the moment, right? But not a week out it wasn't. But it was still true. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the owner called and said, Matt, we can't go into that one. No firewalls. No firewalls. We've got to do something else. He said, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And I told the owner of this building, I said, listen, this is opposition and I'm excited because God will, God will take care of it. I'm not worried about it at all. And he called back and he said, oh, we can put you in this other one. It's bigger. You know, and ta-da, here we are for a while. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Opposition. You've got to know when it's opposition. 
And uh, when you're moving forward for what God tells you to, hey, that's an encourage. Opposition should encourage you, actually. It doesn't defeat you. It encourages you to move on. And so we've seen it all throughout history. We've seen it in, in the lives of believers all over that uh, regardless of the opposition, we move forward. We move forward. Let me, let me move forward, too, because we're going to run out of time. And so God warned him of the, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. God warned Moses, they're not going to receive you. Doesn't it seem like our society has gotten harder and harder? I've told some of the, uh, uh, maybe one person I've told we've been out when we go door knocking. I said, man, it is not the same. It's not the same as it was just five years ago, two or three years ago before COVID. But it's not the same. I mean, some of these young people have no idea what it was like knocking doors 25 years ago. They have no idea. The, 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 uh, the sense of, of reverence in general for people for the things of God. They may not agree with you. They may not want you around, but they'd be somewhat kind. It, it, yeah, are you going to get ugly people? You still got them, but it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't the norm. It wasn't the norm. They were the, out, they're, they're the outliers, right? By and large, people were nice. People were kind. People appreciated, you know, that people were out doing this, and, and they would say it. You know, boy, it sure is good to see people out doing this. Sure is good. Boy, they liked it. You know, you go to house after house. You like to drink water. You want to come in. You want to sit down. You want to do that, you know. And uh, now it's like they're looking through their little ring doorbell thing and like, oh, cults are out today. It's like, no, we're not. Right. It's different. It's different. People have put up borders and parameters around their home. You can't even get to them. It's crazy. And, uh, but the hearts have become harder and harder. And we see the resistance. We see the stubbornness. We see that. We see it in Romans chapter 1. I mentioned earlier, my goodness. You read Romans chapter 1, the progression of Romans chapter 1. The Bible says they knew God was their creator, but they refused to worship him as God. And they worshiped the creation instead of the creator. Have you ever seen how many animals are in people with stores now? People got their animals with them everywhere. And I like my dog. He rides with me because it's easier. So he's not roaming the countryside doing who knows what. Right. And so uh, I I don't, you know, you throw in the back of the truck or whatever. not, Not a big deal. And my daughter says, oh, you're going to bring your dog into Lowe's? I said, no, I refuse. <laughs> Is there anything wrong with that? No. But I'm just, it's, it's interesting to me watching society change, watching animals everywhere, like in stores. And uh, it's like, I mean, I, I guess, I, I don't know where I was. There was a TV on with a commercial about uh, rescuing animals. And the music in the background was so sad, you would thought they were taking, you know, trying to get people out of Auschwitz or something, you know? It was like, and they have this little dog, he's like, you know, and it's so, I was like, hold on a minute, have you ever noticed a dog can be happy in about any situation there is, right? You know, it's like, they just got ran over by a car, and if you gave them a begging strip, they're like, ah, you know, they're trying to wag their tail while they're like on the, you know, it's like, they can be happy everywhere. It's like, what? Rescuing dogs? <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, there's, uh, I guess you can watch cats are really bad about diabetes, right? You got, I, I mean, and the, people are making tons of money on this stuff, on an animal, and I like them. I like animals. Some of them. I like animals, okay? But man, is it weird, right? What are they doing? They're worshiping the creator, the created over the creator. They're worshiping creation over the creator, right? Why? Because they don't want the creator. They want the creation. 
And so they chose to reject that Romans 1. Romans 1, they chose to reject the plan of relationship between man and woman, male and female, right? They chose to reject that, live however they want. This is what's going on today. It's a wholesale rejection of God with the sodomites and the lesbians and all of these things. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not against them. I'm against what they do because it's, it's an abomination to God. Do you realize you, you can go through the Old Testament and you can see all of the ceremonial laws are an abomination to Israel, but the moral laws are an abomination to God. There's a distinction there between the two. And those abominations to God, listen, they don't stop. They don't end. God hadn't changed His mind on them, right? Deuteronomy 22.5 is still an abomination to God. Uh, Romans chapter 1, homosexuality, still an abomination to God. Listen, these things do not end. And we've gotten into that place that it's gotten so bad. It's gotten such rejection. There's such hardness. uh, uh, Let's just say in America, I don't know about other parts of the world, um, that it says in, in verse 24, Romans 1, Wherefore God gave them also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. God gave them up. That's a dangerous place to get to. Do you know when somebody's gotten there? No. And don't even attempt to try to figure out when somebody's there. Because I've seen some of the vilest people come to Christ. Yeah. Listen, we don't know. We don't know that's between God. But listen, it can happen. You reject God long enough, and He is a gentleman, and He will say, fine. Have your will. And you will never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Don't push that, please. Let me go on. The hardness of the heart. This is what we're dealing with. This is what I'm talking about today. We're dealing with this in society. Hard hearts. Hard hearts. History is full of them, aren't they? People with hard hearts that just rejected rejected the truths of the Bible. Karl Marx, we know of where we're dealing with this in our own nation of Marxism. It's here. It's, it's, it's invading us. Marxism, socialism, communism. Uh, America is is I like to call it a Bolshevik revolution going on. And, uh, and it's, it's here. It's uh, whether you like it or not. It is, it is, uh, we're in a battle. And, uh, but Karl Marx is one of the more prominent ones. He grew up in a Jewish home. He converted to Lutheranism as a young man. And then finally he became an atheist. And he created the philosophy of communism. What happened? He, the progression, he hardened himself until the finally... A place of it seemingly, and as we can tell in his death, no return, no no return from that. Charles Darwin was another one. He had a religious background, yes. He studied to be a minister in college, yes, he did. But obviously, the word of God never penetrated a heart. And of course, we have today the theories of evolution, which completely contradicts the truth of God, contradicts the word of God, and according to some, he ended his life as a came to the conclusion of his life as an agnostic, which I had a friend I grew up with who said he was agnostic. And he says, but you know, I always feel like that's kind of a cop-out, so I just tell people I'm an atheist. And I said, fair enough, fair enough. Agnostic. They say there's not, not, not a way to know whether there is a God or not. There could be, but I don't know. I believe it was Dawkins, uh, 
Dawkins or Hawkins, one of those two, came to the conclusion that since I cannot know everything, uh, it is possible that out beyond what I know, there, okay, fine, there could be a God out there somewhere. He finally came to that conclusion from atheism to the conclusion that, okay, I don't know at all, so there could be. But his conclusion was, what does it matter? Well, it matters a lot. But uh, anyway, we see it, we've seen it in our culture, the hardening of the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. Just hard, there's a hardness in the culture today, isn't there? Just a hardness. It's sad. That tenderness. Over in, in, I forget what book book it was in the Old Testament, I think it was over in Isaiah is what it was. It talked about the daughters of Zion, those women of Israel. He said, who they could not, they got to a place so bad, they said they could not blush. They couldn't blush anymore. They 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 had been involved in so much filth, so much wickedness, so much ungodliness, nothing, nothing even made them blush anymore. Yeah. I mean, are we there? We're there. Yeah. Can I tell you some of the filthiest things I've ever heard on a job site are not from men? Mm-hmm. Women are some of the filthiest of the filthy you'll get around on construction sites and job sites. I'm telling you. They, I mean, they'll make you blush. They'll make men blush and walk away. Yeah. Some of you have worked in those environments, you know. It's like, wow. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, that's embarrassing. You walk away. You just, I mean, jokes and things like that. It's like, well, just hardness. Hardness. There's a day I even remember in high school going to a buddy's house that I wasn't saved. He wasn't saved. None of our friends were Christians by any means. Being in his house and we were just kind of joking around and his dad said uh, that my friend's younger brother had a, you know, probably middle school age, had some neighbor girl over, friend just hanging out, you know, and he said, uh, you know, so-and-so's got a a friend over and, uh, uh, you know, a girl, his neighbor girl's over. He said, watch your language. We are like, oh, okay, you know. Uh, That was normal among the world. There, there was a there was a respect for, for, for being in the presence of a lady and not saying certain things. And now they're some of the worst. What is it? The hardness of society. It really is. It's, it's unbelievable to me. This is where Pharaoh was, absolutely hardened. But there's the help of God. God helped him. How did he help? Well, he warned him. This is what it's going to be like. Jesus has warned us, has he not? We go back through, through the book of John and all through there. Jesus warned us, if they hate me, they're going to hate you, right? And it's not you they hate, it's me that's in you that they hate, is what he's saying, right? He's warned us over and over again. Look at verse 4 of chapter 7. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. Pharaoh has hardened his heart to such a place that God is going to do it this way. He's going to do it by the judgment, by the plagues. He's going to bring them out that way. And uh, he's going to show his power to Pharaoh. He's going to show his power to Egypt. Remember during the plagues that people are finally starting to believe them. When Moses says there's going to be hail, man, they're bringing their cows in the garage and stuff, right? Their camels. They're like, yeah, I mean, we have no more crops. We have no more water. We have no more of this. I think we're going to hearken this time. And dumb Pharaoh, he wasn't going to. He didn't do it, right? So he was going to release them from bondage. We saw that. But secondly, there's two things God was going to do here. He's going to release the children of Israel from bondage, but uh, he was going to let Egypt know that he is the true God. Remember the prophets of Baal? 
with Elijah. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Wow, that was pretty incredible, right? They, they came out of their knowing. Nebuchadnezzar walked, woke up from that seven months, seven years, seven weeks, seven times that he was as an animal. I mean, he was long enough for his hair to grow out like feathers and his fingernails to grow. And uh, he woke up from that whole spell saying, you know, I extol the most high God. Right. I mean, he woke up uh, uh, understanding who God was and the power of God. And uh, listen, I, uh, the, the, this is what God wanted e- Egypt to get to. Not only just deliver the children of Israel, but to see that he was was God. Yeah. And we see it throughout scriptures, don't we? The miraculous works often draw others to see the power of God in his salvation. Remember Rahab? When the spies showed up in the land, in the land there in Jericho, I should say, and Rahab said, yeah, we've heard of all of the mirror. We've heard of the crossing of the Red Seas and our hearts did melt. They knew the power of God. I mean, they, they knew what God could do. And uh, so she was uh, well on board with the Israelites of helping them out because she did not want to get in the path of what God could do. John 12, 31 through 32, the Bible says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Lifted up, that is that term, speaking of the crucifixion, that Roman crucifixion. He said, if I be lifted up, if I go unto that crucifixion, I will draw all men unto me. They would see it. John 3, 14 and 15, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have, ever, but have eternal life. And this was the ultimate purpose of God in displaying His power. He wanted Egypt and the Egyptians and the Israelites alike, all, all of them, He wanted them to see His strength and His miracles. He wanted them to believe Him. He wanted to acknowledge Him as the true God. Right. So we have a command. From God, we have a caution from God, and uh, finally, God was going to give him a confirmation, and I'm going to stop there for next week. The world is hardened, folks; they are hardened, but we still have a mission. We still we had we still have a command: go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do you not think the Lord Jesus, when He gave that great commission to His church, do you not think He could see down the annals of time and know where we were in America today? Do you not think he's seen the rise and the fall of the Roman Empire before he ever said it? Do you not think he saw the, the, the coming in of, of, of Stalin and Mussolini and, um, and uh, Mao Zedong and, and what's that other famous guy, Hitler and all of the rest, right? Do you not think he saw all of these things come and go through the annals of time and he still told his church, go into all the world, preach the gospel? And you know what? Now we're living in the rise and fall of our own nation. We're in the fall, friend. Oh, I hate being so pessimistic. But friend, we have rejected God. This revival supposedly going on in Pennsylvania or Kentucky, wherever that thing is. Oh, please stop it. Yeah. That is nothing of the sort. Nothing of the sort. You need to try the Spirit, see whether they be of God, friend. And uh, this thing supposedly going on and on, going to sweep. Listen, they've done it over and over and over and over again in our nation. And you notice all of these great revivals never include preaching. That's a warning flag, friend. 
God chose the foolishness of preaching. The fo- you know what most of these revivals are? This uh, an unending ecumenical song service that they can sway and get emotional to. Oh, there's been healings and, and everything else going on in there. Uh, it's, it's, it's not of God. It's not of God. Say, oh, you're so pessimistic. No, this is exciting. This is exactly what he said. I like what somebody said. It's, it's, things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. Amen. Amen. He's coming. He's coming again. He's coming real soon. And, uh, but you know what Jesus said before he came, before he comes? You know what he told us? Remember the words? Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. What does that mean? Preach the gospel. Get out. Their hearts are hardened. So what? Preach it anyway. There will still be those that will get saved. They absolutely will. And we'll just continue on. Amen. Let's just continue on. Father, thank you. You've given us the command. You've given us uh, a, a warning. You, you've, you've warned us of the condition of our society. And the condition of our society is no excuse for us not to continue with the command. Help us not to forget that. We need to be about busy about our Father's business. Would you help us to do that? In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs>